Well, thanks, Greg. That's right. This is Peace Month. November is Peace Peace Month. As a church, we're just kind of taking one of the fruit of the Spirit and making it our theme in some ways. I was very gratified this morning. Um, How many of you are doing the women's Bible writing group thing? Wonderful. I'm not doing the writing, but I am trying to keep up, and I realized this morning that uh, your verse is the sermon verse, and so it's always gratifying when you wake up and find out that uh, Jolene Bercier is way ahead of you. Awesome. And if you're wondering, that little symbol in the middle there is something like a Irish trinity knot. Um, Pardon? I? Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Tony, for, for that great display of the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Um, <laughs> yeah, and because it's Peace Month, you can't do anything about what I just did. I got it. Okay, so we are going to be talking about the Trinity a bit this morning, and I do like to start off almost every time I preach about the Trinity, I go away feeling like I didn't describe it just right. And in part, that's because you're We are talking about revelation from God that breaks past human understanding. So it's very easy for me to say something I regret. Even this symbol is, you can pick it apart really easily. It's just a symbol. If you want to know what we mean by the Trinity, just read the New Testament and trust it. That's what we're trying to describe. But we're trying to describe this reality that the one true God is three persons, a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are each persons and they're so united that they are the one true God and they are the one true God in three persons and they're three persons so united they are the one true God and we're going to have all eternity to worship our way through understanding this but here we go so peace peace month let's read the fruit of the spirit together the list this is Galatians chapter 5 uh, verses 22 and 23 these are the very words of God But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against these things there is no law. And just to make sure that our time together is informative as well as enjoyable, um, the Greek word for peace is irene, probably pronounced like that, maybe not, could be irene. Um, and quick definitions of this is number one, a state of concord, peace, or harmony. And another meaning is a state of well-being, peace. So one of these uh, uses of peace has to do with like people getting along. Does that make sense? And one of them is about like those feeling inside of you. Are you at peace? Or a really quick way to think about it is peace as in, are we good? We're good? Okay, that's one kind of piece. And another kind of piece is, so are you good? Okay, he's good. So he's got peace. So there's, are we good? And are you good? Peace? Peace. Good? Awesome. So I'm hoping to do at least three messages on peace. And I'm going to kind of ask that... um, I need all three messages to feel like I do, I'm doing a good job with this. And so, if you're here, um, 
and this isn't your home church, welcome here. I'm really glad you're here. I know Tracy, Tracy just took the, the, the cake for most seats reserved for people showing up at church. So good job. That's wonderful. So lots of you aren't here. And if, so if you feel like, man, that seemed like really one-sided or lopsided, I've got two more kicks of the can, and I invite you to try to check this out online. On December 1st, everything should be online by then. But I really want to focus today on peace with God, being where it all starts. And uh, so I'm going to pause here, and we're going to pray. So Father God, thank you. Um, I think your ability to bring sinners into unlimited peace with you through Jesus and the power of the Spirit I think you think this is like the greatest thing that could ever be done. And that you were working on it even when you started the creation. Lord, we really need help. Not only to understand this, but I believe as your people we have such a hard time just staying in the peace that you have built for us in Jesus. We forget. We walk away We trade it for other things. Please forgive. And I pray you would really help me and help each one of us get what you've done. And to get into the reality that you have made through Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I've really been working on this message in my heart. I actually finished the notes on Friday, which never happens. So I feel really vulnerable and uncertain. This could be the worst message ever. Usually the notes are done right before prayer meeting on Sunday. So, and, and that's a good rhythm for me. But um, I'm not naturally a peaceful person interiorly. I think I do okay like this. I enjoy this kind of peace. And so I, I think I do okay sometimes. But in here, not so much. And I know that uh, peace right now, it does not feel like it comes easy. Relational peace, social peace, international peace, financial peace, spiritual peace, internal peace. People have declared this the anxious age. Where people are just, especially our young generations, have never just been so generally anxious about everything all the time. And it's been a real burden for me that this morning wouldn't be, would be actual a real help and not just hype. Cause I can get up here and I can, I can do this. It'll hurt later here cause I've been doing a little bit too much this and a little bit not enough this. And so this will feel like this and then this and then. But I've just been really talking to the Lord, saying, like, if it doesn't help, Lord, then it doesn't help. And so today, I'm just, my desire is that God would use some walking through Scripture to help you have the peace of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. So, I'm going to read this, and you can read along with me. This is from Romans 5. The Bible says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we 
have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. There is a kind of peace in the midst of things not being just the way you'd want them, that I am so jealous for in the Lord. We haven't been in contact with her lately, but as a church, Calvary Chapel, back in the old days, used to have a lot more interaction with a woman named Chrissy Chapman. And she was a medical missionary type who had moved to the Central Africa area to be a maternity nurse on mission, so she would help African women have and take care of young babies. Unfortunately, this led her to be in Africa during at least one genocide, possibly more tiny genocides leading up to this big one. And eventually, she ended up adopting like a whole orphanage worth of children whose parents had been killed and raising them um, there. But she did tell a story, if memory serves me right, about one time she had an interaction with a man, and it was during a time of famine or drought or whatever, and she was running a bit of a helping to run a place where people could come for food. And a gentleman came to her and asked for help. And he was looking for supplies to bring back. I think he'd walked there like maybe three days, walked there looking for help. And she was just broken because she didn't have anything to give him besides a meal. And she watched him and he sat down and he thanked God for the meal having been disappointed after a multi-day journey looking for help, thanked him for the meal and was ready to go. And as she was interacting with him, he said something like, and this is what stuck with me, he said something like, I didn't know that Jesus was all I needed until he was all I had. But was able to be disappointed and then continue his search for food with a thankful heart. I didn't know that Jesus was all I needed until he was all I had. And obviously that stuck with Chrissy, and she shared that with us. And I wouldn't say that's necessarily a conviction I walk in every day in my heart. Would anybody else say, yeah, that's not how I live? Okay. Well, Tony put up his hand, so now we're good. Now we're good. Good. I'm jealous for that peaceful confidence of knowing that every day I wake up into being at peace with God, I wake up into a day where I already have all I need. And we need that too, as the church. So I have a few observations stemming from this scripture, which I hope will help us growing in just living in the peace of God that we have with God and letting that be the thing that flavors, dominates, overflows, infects, and changes the other areas of life where we're looking for peace. And the first thing I want to say, and I'm going to hit these points, these three points. Number one, God is at peace. Number two, God has made the way for peace with him. 
And number three, God teaches us to stay in his peace while we serve him. Point number one, God is at peace. Um, It means a lot to me to know what God is like when he's kind of just being himself on his own. And I've made up a little story in my head that will maybe help you understand this. Imagine you're talking to some rough type character. I won't pick on Tony, but imagine you're just talking, you're just talking with some rough type character and the subject of Officer Jim comes up. I don't think there's an Officer Jim that I know of, so I made him up, but he's a police officer, Officer Jim, and he comes up and this rough type character says, man, I hate Officer Jim. Officer Jim one time gave me a ticket so big I lost my license. And then you say to this rough type character, let's call him um, Gunther. Okay, I don't know any Gunthers, so we're safe here. Gunther, that's rough. You got a ticket so bad you lost your license. What happened? Well, he caught me doing 100 on Main Street. Like, well, huh, interesting. You know, I I, I can kind of understand that a little bit. Yeah, maybe, but I still don't like Officer Jim. You know what else he did one time? Officer Jim one time arrested me for stealing. Oh, that sounds terrible, getting arrested. Did you do jail time? No, I had a good lawyer. I managed to stay out of the clink that time. Threatened with a, doing a dime in the big house, but no, I just can't stand it. Well, what was happening there? Well, truth be told, I did fill up my shopping cart at Superstore and tried to walk out of it without paying And Officer Jim was right there in that little spot where they keep for the police officers outside a superstore. So you can't park in the best stop spot because it's kept for the cops. And he caught me doing that. He arrested me for stealing. And you think, well, yeah, that's, that is rough to go through, but, uh, uh, hmm. Gunther. And Gunther keeps going on about all these bad interactions he's had with Officer Jim. And you just say, well, you know what? I actually know Officer Jim. Would you like to meet him under better circumstances? Well, no, I would never want to do that. He's a Hold on. Have you done anything criminal lately? Well, not for the last 48 hours. And, <laughs> and you don't smell like anything that would get you in trouble. No, I don't smell like anything. Okay, just come with me. We'll go. Officer Jim is actually having a party at his house We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and so you take your friend Gunther to Officer Jim's house, and he's having this huge pool party in the back of his house. And there is a spread of meat. There's every kind of pulled everything you could ever want to put in a sandwich there with all the drip. There's, they just get in the way, unless it's cheese, because cheese helps the meat slide down. So there's all the food, and the pool is rocking. There's a live band. There's lots of fun. Thank you, yes. And then there's somebody about to do a cannonball into the pool, and he's soaring through the air, and he splashes you and your friend Gunther, and it turns out that's Officer Jim. And Gunther is standing there looking like, but he's not arresting anybody. And Officer Jim jumps out of the pool and he's like, Gunther, what are you doing here? Well, this guy invited me, but don't worry, I'll leave. No, 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 don't leave, don't leave. There's food over there. I've got extra swim trunks over there. You can jump in the pool if you want. Have you done anything bad lately, Gunther? No, I'm going to keep my nose clean. Then come on in, help yourself. 
sometimes it's different how you're running into people. And it means a lot to me to know what God is like um, when he's not having to do the job of ruling over sinners. Because ever since the fall of the world, God has had the job of being God over a sinful world, which has involved lots of him having to do hard things. But what's he like when he's at home? What's he like in himself? And I believe God is a God of the fruit of the Spirit, but he's a God at peace in himself. A father at peace with his son. A son at peace with his father. A Holy Spirit at peace with the son and the father. So let's just read two stories from Jesus' life in the world. And I just, I love stories like this. I love stories where we get to see the son and the father interacting and finding out what's God really like. I'm at peace. Matthew 3.16. And when Jesus was baptized, what? When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, and this is the Father, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. How does the father feel about the son? He loves him and they're at perfect peace and he wants to show it so much that he sends the spirit down from him. First he tears heaven open and what's going on there is there is this realm called heaven that you can't see. It's God's control room over all of human history. He's got his throne there. The angels report there. This is where he's ruling and reigning. It's like not quite his... Well, whatever. I don't want to get lost. But he tears that thing open so that everyone can see what's going on in heaven while this stuff on earth is happening. He tears it open and his humongous love, his peace-filled love for his father, for his son, comes down in the form of the dove who is the Holy Spirit. And God talks from heaven and says, because there's a crowd there, he tells everybody, I love my son. Which is how it always is in heaven. But he tears open heaven so that everybody knows. It's good. Another time, a little bit later. um, This is a scene. Jesus has sent his 72 disciples out to go and preach the gospel to all these local villages and towns. He's also spent some time denouncing some proud cities who were too good for Jesus. We don't need what you're selling. We're doing just fine. He says, you can make that choice now, and it may feel like you're doing the right thing, but it's going to turn out really, really bad for you. The disciples come back, and they're super high on their, on their own juices because they've been casting out demons, and Jesus has to kind of tone them down and say, that's fine, but don't rejoice that demons listen to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. But he sees this scenario where the proud elites are not knowing God, and these peasants, these fishermen, these shepherds, these nobodies are coming to God with faith and he's seeing how the world is being turned upside down by the love of God. And it says this, Luke 18, 21, in that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit 
And he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this such was your gracious will. And you'll see this as you look that when you find these moments where the Father is talking to the Son and the Son is talking to the Father, the Holy Spirit is there expressing and, and, and uh, displaying and inflaming their love for each other. And I read stories like this and I go, Boy, oh boy, God is a God of real peace. Just in their inner relationship, the Spirit and the Son and the Father, they love each other so much. They enjoy each other so much. They like to work together so much. They have the perfect cohesion peace where they're always caring more about each other than themselves, which is a great way to do and keep peace. And I care about this stuff because I don't, I don't want to go to heaven if it's a war zone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I went to a friend's house once. This was, I was a lot younger. Um, he was my best friend at school. Loved him, loved him, loved him. Spent every lunch time with him. But I went to his house, and for some reason, he decided to start picking fights with his mom. Like, she'd talk to him, and he would yell at her, and he'd ask for something, and he'd blow up at her. And I was just like, ha. Ah. This is the bad kind of awkward. This is the awkward you can't enjoy or laugh at Rob about. And I just was like, it, it just... So I did my best to not go over. Even though he was my best friend, at home, it wasn't peaceful. Contrast to that, my first Christ, Christmas with Jackie's family... I got brought into their like stay up late eating candy doing puzzles culture that we used to do, which became less easy to do as we increased and multiplied and filled the earth. Um, and my my family my my biological family's Christmases were fine, but it was just so peaceful to spend like. It's like, oh, we've already been doing this for two hours, which is about the length of a movie. And as somebody who has watched TV all my life, all of life should be split up between half an hour and two hour chunks. <laughs> and then you get up and move around and then do it again. And it's like, oh, yeah, two hours. We've got another six hours to go of just peacefully being together. It's like, yeah, I could get to like this. We're just like that. We want to be with people in loving peace. We don't want to be where the opposite is. And so that's why maybe maybe you've never thought about this. Maybe this isn't important for you. But this is desperately important to me and part of my ongoing worship for the Lord. That when I look at the Father and the Son and the Spirit, I'm just like, I love how much you love each other yourself. I want to be a part of the joy that you have in each other. Please just, yeah. So in all God's leadings of the world, in all the times he has to show wrath against human unbelief, I, I just want you to know that in himself, his relationships are the best. And to steal a phrase of a friend who wants to write a book someday, 
if you really knew who God is, you'd really like him. If you really, really see who God really, really, really is, you would love him. It's just true. Well, thought number two, God has made a way for peace with him, but there's this huge problem. So we're kind of looking at Romans chapter 5, but you only get to Romans chapter 5 by wading through Romans chapter 1 through 4. And the reason why peace is precious to us is because peace is not normal. Not only with each other and inside of ourselves, but peace with God is actually impossible without help from God. So a quick reminder of how God describes the problem. Romans 1.18, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Interesting little note there that I didn't catch while I was doing this. With Jesus, what was revealed from heaven? Yeah, his love for his son and the Holy Spirit. But apart from Jesus, what is revealed from heaven? Wrath from God against ungodliness and unrighteousness. And I know those are big Bible words and they're church words, but essentially what it is is like the bad things that people feel, think, do, and are that you see really does matter to God. And he is a holy God and he is a just God and he can't just pretend like bad things aren't happening and he knows everything. And he has to respond to it. And there really are kind of two kinds of wrath. There's like the big wrath, like fire from heaven. But there's also this kind of wrath, which is just the handing people over to what they want wrath. So you want God out of your life? Okay. It's the suit yourself wrath. And this is what he's talking about. He says everybody can look throughout the world and you can see the consequences of people not trusting God. And how they treat each other, how they treat themselves, how they do. You can see it. God just God lets people do it. And you can see the consequences all the time. And this isn't an invitation for us to say, yeah, those other people who do that. That's chapter 2 where God says, it's a trap. When we start talking about wrath and misbehavior and you can only think what other people are doing, all you're doing is proving how much you need yourself to be rescued by me. Because whatever standard you judge other people with, that is how I will start to judge you. Because we all hate hypocrites, except for when we do it. So he says, we actually are living in this world where this God of love and peace has to show his displeasure and his resistance to and his judgment of how we treat him and each other. Romans 1, 28 through 31. So if you remember, there's this progress where first we get handed over to trusting things God's made instead of him because we need to trust something. All of us know that we can't be God of our own lives. And then because we're meant to be living off of pleasure from God and joy in God and peace with God, but we reject that, we turn to actually just trying to mask, uh, maximize the amount of like physical pleasure we can get from each other. We turn to all kinds of especially sexual activities to try to hide the fact that we're empty without God. But ultimately the culmination is this just existence of relational and spiritual and moral chaos. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up 
Suit yourself. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness and evil and covetousness. That's jealousy. Malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips. Ouch. Slanderers. Ouch. Haters of God. Insolent. Haughty. Boastful. Ouch. Inventors of evil. The internet. Disobedient to parents. Foolish. Faithless. Heartless ruthless and the bible is just trying to describe what we kind of all know things are like and instead of trying to blame how much money there is or there isn't or what kind of skin color the people do or don't have or the gender of the people who are doing it or not doing it he points us all right back to the cause of all the problems it's sin from not trusting god And all this unpeace we have in the world is the symptom and the sign that we are not at peace with the creator of the world. And so if things are going to get fixed, it all needs to start with going back to God. And even though things are a mess now, don't worry, it can always get worse. There is this thing we do where something horrible happens and we think, at least it can't get any worse. It's never gotten to the point where it can't get worse. That's where repentance comes in, where we need to stop and turn. That's the thing that stops the fall. But the Bible even warns us that because of our hard and impenitent, impenitent means unwilling to change even though you can see it's not working. That's what impenitent means. You can see it's not working by what's happening, but you ref- just one more, just one more communist country and this one won't have a massacre. This one won't have a gulag. This one won't have boots stomping faces in the streets. Our hard and impenitent hearts are storing up wrath for ourselves on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And what it's talking about there is like, Right now we're in the handover stage of God showing his justice, but there will be a once and for all done stage where all the stuff he hasn't dealt with yet will get dealt on that day. And it's going to be so much, well, something you don't want to have happen to you. And I don't want to happen to you. So God needs to make a way for peace because there's nothing in this description that says, hey, you can fix yourself, save yourself, you can get a handle on this. If you just had a million bucks, or you just had a different relationship, or you just had a different childhood, if you just drink this, snort this, smoke that, everything will be better. No, it's, it's hopeless. Amen. It's hopeless without God. But now, there is a righteousness of God that is manifested or revealed or on display apart from the law, apart from trying to measure up to holiness, although the Old Testament does tell us about it, this righteousness of God that is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Meaning everybody's broken. Everyone's fallen short of what God intended us to be. Everyone's rebelled. Everyone's rejected. Everyone's been selfish. But we can be made righteous. We can be declared forgiven. We can come to peace with God as a gift of grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ who God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And essentially just what he means is this. 
God the Father decided to deal with everything that we've done wrong, everything that we have done wrong, could do wrong. He put it on his son Jesus on the cross and he fully punished it there. And Jesus absorbed all that wrath and died under it, but then came back from the grave to be our Savior. And so that everybody who wants to have everlasting peace with God can come to the baptismal waters and say, I want to be post-wrath and into peace. I want to join Jesus and have dying to my sin. I want to come back into life that is a life of forgiveness and peace. And I want to dwell in that peace until either Jesus comes back or I go see him face to face. And it's all built on just trusting that God has done it for you in Jesus. Not on our performance, not on our adherence, not on our self-flagellation or self-punishment, not by overly loving yourself or overly hating yourself. It is all through the man Christ Jesus, the Son of God. And as we trust Him... As he really is the son of God raised from the dead, the father says, as a gift, complete forgiveness and an eternity of peace. And essentially, what God does, and this is indescribably awesome, is he takes enemies and sinners and he moves them into the center of his eternal, peaceful, loving relationship inside of himself. And I really struggled which verse to find because there's so many that talk about this. But it's so... ah, Okay. I feel like I just broke my ankle trying to, to, to play this ball. So I went to Romans 8, which is three chapters past where we were, and Paul trying to describe how awesome this life Jesus has given us is. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And you can see this dynamic going on now. He's like, remember how the father loves his son? Guess what? Now you're a son. Okay, remember how much Jesus loves his father? He's brought you into the love of his father. Remember how the spirit like literally is physically the love of the father coming down to the son to rest on him? That spirit of love rests on you. And every like awesome, love-filled, peaceful relationship that God has within himself, he just like puts us in the middle of it. And puts us in the middle of it. And puts us in the middle of it. And puts us in the middle of it. We all have sin brain damage. Otherwise, we'd all be like falling over ourselves with the impossibility of this being true. From enemy 
to I love you like I love Jesus. From rejecting the Christ to I love you like I love the Father. From spirit of slavery to I am going to make you experience my love I have for the Father and the Son. It's pretty great. We often sometimes just have glimpses of this, right? Maybe you're just driving down the street with your favorite worship song on, and it's a Manitoba road, so you know you've got about 10 seconds where you can just close your eyes (laughs) and worship. If you do it and something bad happens, it's not my fault. We don't tend to live there, even though it's always true. We don't always feel it's true, but in God's sight and in his mind, it's always true. But he has to teach us how to keep growing there. He has to teach you to be able to say, when you don't have food, I didn't know all I needed was Jesus until Jesus was all I had. We have to learn this. And there's lots of places I wanted to go to, to emphasize this, but I'm just going to start the journey here and say I think God tries to teach us that the most important thing we can do to stay in the peace of God is to start really thinking differently about our sufferings. Because isn't it your sufferings that make you feel like God is far away? Isn't it your hardships that make you feel like God's forgotten you? We say it should be different than this. Or this this bad thing that I thought was gone is back again. Or this sin I thought I'd beaten. I just it blew up again. You can feel rejected, you can feel abandoned, you can feel like maybe you just used the last bit of grace God had for you. It's over. It's like those little, you know, the the little bags of fruit that you give kids and they'd like suck on it like And then there's just that little wad stuck at the top where the suction of the bag won't let it get out no matter how much you do. And you feel like you're down to your last goober speck of grace. The reality is we're never even close to ever outdoing the the grace. You're You're never down to the goober speck. But I think since Jesus rose from the grave and changed our idea of strength and success from one of crushing all your enemies and standing on their necks to enduring hardship and suffering and overcoming by resurrection power, the people of God have struggled to stay in the peace of God while they're suffering. And so the word of God says this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. <laughs> and then I read that I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> Hold on, by faith, by faith. Slow down, slow down. Don't deny the word of God yet. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because they're inherently good? No, they're not. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Um, all of us underestimate what we can get through with Jesus. 
I actually haven't met somebody who, who ever said, I can't get through this, who wasn't like three months later through that and praising Jesus. Just so you know, when you phone up somebody or you type and text or you, you Instagram, I can't get through this, give yourself six months. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Um, I just want to be conscious of time. But I will just point out... um, There were one or two people baptized today who pointed out that going through a cancer journey was what helped them experience the love of God in a deeper way that brought them to baptism today. A diagnosis I wouldn't wish on anybody and you wouldn't want to happen to anybody. But producing the greatest treasure of life, which is knowing, 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 knowing that you are truly at peace with the God of unlimited love who wants to be with you. And that through your hardships, you actually, because God forms the character of Christ in your heart, become more useful in the best way, not the the bad way, but more useful to everyone around you as they are able to experience Christ through you more and more. And your sufferings producing an experience of the presence of God in other people. That is part, this changed mindset is part of us being able to stay in the reality of how peaceful God is in himself and with us through Jesus Christ. Amen? So I'm going to invite the team up here in a sec. Is Greg around? Greg? We're praying for the baptism people up here. We also have other prayer people. They usually have a purple tag on their chest. Hey, if you need to do business with God, if you want to come and confess something to God with someone standing beside you, if you're hungry to be closer to God, to experience that peace, if you've got something in your brain that's like a mind snake that keeps keeping you from just believing that God loves you like he actually does, come and get prayer. Today is a wonderful day for your life to be changed forever. You can give your life to Jesus if you're willing to say, you sound like your God and I will follow you, you're in. Say sorry for what you've done. He'll forgive you. Or anything else you need from Jesus, you can get prayer. The team can come up and I'll pray for us. Parts two and three of the trilogy to follow. Father God, I am asking you for you to decide that that you would you really want your people to experience the truth of all you've done in Jesus. I would like you to be impatient with us not getting it. And that you would do such a move in our hearts and our minds that we would dwell in the unshakable confidence of knowing that God is right here and we are good. And because we're good, he'll listen and anything's possible. 
Father, I pray you deliver me and us from the breakdowns that happen when things get hard and the misunderstandings we have about the hard things you let into our lives. And I pray you deliver us from losing Jesus when we are following Jesus. But Lord, would you be praised. Thank you for bringing us into your love that you have for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for sharing your sonship with the Father, with all of us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that your power would be in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen.